by reading from Proverbs chapter 31, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God... The world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. 
Our reading from John 12, six days before the Passover. Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive oil made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you always have with me, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God the Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The word of God for our consideration this evening is taken from the 12th chapter of St. John, which has already been read. Have you ever been to one of those church meetings and you're talking about spending money on something nice for the church? Maybe new communionware, nativity scene, or some artwork to make the place look nice. I don't like you do at home. Except it's church. And invariably, somebody is going to think, or maybe say, something like, you know, maybe we could take that money and give it to the poor. And it just got awkward. We're doing witnesses to Christ on these Witten Wednesdays, talking about people who were actual witnesses to Jesus. And I got married. I got married. Which Mary? There are lots of Marys in the Bible. The first Mary in the Bible is Miriam, the Hebrew form, uh, Moses' sister. The other Miriam in the Old Testament is mentioned in a genealogy in the book of Chronicles, one of them. Both of those Old Testament Marys were long gone by the time the Christ came, so it was impossible for them to witness him. Mary, his mother, she was the best witness to him. She saw it all, but it's not her. Neither is it Mary, the mother of John Mark, or Mary of Rome, or Mary Magdalene. So that kind of narrows it down, doesn't it? The witness to the the Christ that we're going to be looking at tonight is known as Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany who actually did witness a lot of the words and the works of Jesus. This Mary of Bethany, her sister Martha, their brother Lazarus, they get a lot of ink in the New Testament, especially from John. She was from Bethany. Now a near suburb in modern Jerusalem, 
In New Testament times, it was a small town just outside the city at the foot of the Mount of Olives, on which is located the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus often went with others to pray and the like. And Jesus himself says that the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. And we can well imagine him being a frequent guest in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In fact, Luke in the 10th chapter records one such visit. Now as they went on their way, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha received him into her house. And we note that Luke calls it Martha's house, and her sister Mary is there in the house, but brother Lazarus is not mentioned Mary, according to Luke, she got down to meal prep. Martha got down to meal prep. While Mary listened to Jesus teach. And that made Martha cross. And Martha did a slow boil. And finally, she had to speak what was on her mind. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. In that tone with Jesus, you kind of get the idea that there's a certain familiarity between him and her. And Jesus, having been commanded by Martha to tell Mary to get busy, he tells Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen well. Later on, in a separate incident, we note that same familiarity the time that her, their brother Lazarus came up sick. The sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he who you love, philos is the Greek word, brotherly love, he whom you love is ill. And Jesus said, this illness is not unto death. Then he calls a shot. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. And then remember what he did when he heard that Lazarus was ill. He dropped everything and went there, right? No, he waited two days. And by the time he got there, Lazarus had been dead for four. Martha went out and met him outside of town, Talk to him in a way that you and I probably would not talk to Jesus. We might think it, but we probably wouldn't say it. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's okay. He's going to rise again. Sure, on the last day he's going to rise again. And then he tells her that he has power even over death. And he asks Martha, where's Mary? Mary of Bethany who had her own way of mourning the death of her brother. She was in a room with people who were consoling her. But upon the word of Jesus, she went out to him. And you know what she said to Jesus? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think Jesus felt bad, of course, that he made her cry. Time to put this thing to rest. Where have you lain him? And he tells them to roll away the stone and open up the tomb. Martha reminded him that the man has been dead for four days. I love the King James on this. Surely it stinketh. Surely it stinketh. Jesus calls Lazarus and he comes out 
And the dead man, the dead man, came out, his hands and feet bound with bandages, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said unto them, Unbind him and let him go. And many who bore witness to that raising believed in Jesus. And for the religious leaders, that was problematic. They witnessed the same thing and decided that Jesus had to go. What are we doing? For this man performs many signs, miracles. If we don't do anything, they said, people will follow him. And that will red flag the Romans, that another revolt is forming. And the Romans will do what the Romans do. Caiaphas, the high priest, said, It is better for one man to die than for the whole nation to perish. I was at Fort Wayne several years ago. Pastor from Chicago came up to me and introduced himself. He said, I'm Steve Anderson. And I said, You're a Steve Anderson. And he's actually one of three of us in the Missouri Synod. I haven't met the other Stephen L. Anderson. He was in Wisconsin for a while. Now he's in Florida. I think he might have retired. For a long time, the church thought that this Mary of Bethany and Mary Magdalene were the same person. But they're not. Same name, different person. Imagine that concept. The hymnal correctly splits them up into two different people. The feast day of St. Mary Magdalene, it means that she was from Magdala, not Bethany, is July 22, a week later. The commemoration of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus of Bethany is on July 29th. And did you notice, when we sang that hymn, For All the Faithful Women, we sang verse 9 about Martha and Mary not verse 11 about Mary Magdalene. Why did the church think that these two Marys were the same person? I think because of the anointing. Both Marys of Bethany and of Magdala anointed Jesus with oil. In fact, the four evangelists, the Gospels, all have accounts of Jesus being anointed. Matthew and Mark, talking about an anointing of the head of Jesus, ahead in Bethany by an unnamed woman in the home of Simon the leper. Luke talks about an anointing of the feet of Jesus in Simon's house by a woman he calls a sinner. That's Mary Magdalene. John names Mary of Bethany anointing the feet of Jesus. St. Augustine, the most well-known, respected, quoted church father thought, and most modern scholarship agrees that these are four versions of the same event. Another church father, Origen, who was a little bit sketchy sometimes, thought correctly that at least two, maybe three anointings are involved in the four gospel accounts. And you know, Matthew tells us that Jesus fed 5,000 plus women and children. And later he fed 4,000. Well, which is it? Is it 4,000 or 5,000? Well, I think he fed 5,000. Might have been the same people got hungry again. Fed him again. Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount. Luke records the Sermon on the Plain. And they sound similar to one another. Which is it? 
the Bible scholars rhetorically asked. Well, he preached a sermon while he was on a mountain, and he preached a sermon when he was on a plane. And is that such a stretch that Jesus preached a couple sermons that sounded, if it's good material, like him calling you blessed, then go ahead and use that good material again. And is it such a stretch to think that Jesus would be anointed by Christians in his three-year ministry two or three times? And how many times was he anointed by Christians? And it's not recorded. We don't know. But to anoint somebody with oil was to declare that that person anointed was something special in the Old Testament. Prophets, priests, and kings, special people, were anointed with oil. And if anybody knew just how special Jesus was, one of those people would be Mary of Bethany. She had witnessed the illness and the death of her brother Lazarus. She had witnessed Jesus' delay in coming, and then she had witnessed Jesus raise that brother from the dead. She'd seen all that. You want to know how you can declare Aaron Rodgers to be special? Give him $200 million, he'll think he's special. <laughs> or we give people degrees and titles and awards. We call those who fill the prophetic office pastor. We call the leader of our nation Mr. President. Perhaps in anointing Jesus with that expensive oil, like Mary of Bethany does here, she was recognizing him to be a prophet, priest, and king. Because he is. Because he is. And it was Judas who took issue that Mary used that expensive oil to worship Jesus. That's what she's doing. Judas is the one who rhetorically asks, why was this not sold and given to the poor? If you can believe him, Judas places the value of the ointment at 300 denarii. King James says 300 pence, a penny which was worth a lot more in the 7th, 16th century England than it is today. A penny was what you were paid for a day's wages, like a denarius was at the time of Jesus. So today, what do you paid for unskilled labor? $100 a day? $200? That would make that ointment worth $30,000 to $60,000. That's not a small amount. John was there. And John has the inside scoop. And John tells us that Judah didn't give a whip for the poor. But it sounds very righteous, even spiritual, what he says. Judas, John tells us, was dipping into the till, and he wanted to put more money into the till so he could dip more out. So what do you think? Should we just go out to the barn, grab some lawn chairs and a folding table, I'll find a couple branches we'll make a cross. That money we save by avoiding this expensive building, we only use it once a week, right? Maybe a little bit more. And all the expensive things on the inside, especially all that precious metal and fine cloth up front. I have an old tablecloth at home we can use. With the money we save, we give that to the poor. That's what Judas thought. Jesus said, leave her alone. Let her keep it, the remainder, 
for the day of my burial, and she did. And he continues, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. He's speaking descriptively about the way things are, not necessarily about the way he wants things to be. He's speaking descriptively. This is the way of things in this fallen world. Every time somebody tries to legislate poverty out of existence, trying to make laws for economic equality, it doesn't work, ever. The Mayflower immigrants, they were mostly all Christians, tried the communal thing. Lots of people starved that first winter for the usual reasons. They got rid of that communal stuff. The Amana colonists tried it. It didn't work. And socialism and hardcore communism. But among free people, you're not ever going to get close to economic equality. Some people will always, for many reasons, be more wealthy than others. And the poor, it's a relative term, will and are always with us. The closest we come to economic equality is among Christians who sometimes voluntarily help each other out. You remember how Solomon used a lot of precious metals, expensive wood, to build the temple. And the priests wore expensive garments. Remember who told Solomon what to use to build the temple and those garments for the priest? God is the one who told Solomon to build the temple. And what building materials to use make it nice. The temple, after all, was the dwelling place of God among his people. To reflect that, it should be nice. And the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was at that time and place the dwelling place of God among his people. And if you think about it like that, a little bit of expensive oil is a bit of Underkill, isn't it? And today, after his ascension, this is the place where through word and sacrament, God dwells among his people. Somehow word got out that there was a celebrity sighting in Bethany. As that news passed, the crowd grew, wait a minute. Two celebrities in one house? They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. The man who had been dead for four days, already planted in the tomb. I'd pay to see with my own two eyes that guy. The religious leaders who had already decided to kill their way out of the Jesus problem by killing him. Once you decide that you're going to kill one person, Jesus, once you start down that road. So the chief priest planned to put Lazarus also to death because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. They might have rejoiced in Lazarus coming back to life. It's a slippery slope, that self-righteous murder. And soon it would all come to a head. He had by now set his face to Jerusalem where he knew and had told them that he would be killed, but he would rise again from the dead.
Judas was a witness to the Christ. He did not believe, and he murdered himself. Judas was sorry but not repentant. That death, was, that death of Jesus was brought about by Caiaphas, who in his own self-righteousness thought that the murder of one man, maybe two, would be the salvation of the nation. And that high priest, Caiaphas, John tells us, spoke correctly, but not the way that Caiaphas meant it. The death of Jesus on the cross would bring not temporal, but eternal salvation to his own people and to all nations, including Gentiles like you and me. And Mary of Bethany was likely included among the many women, some of whom were named, to witness the Christ when he was on the cross. Mary also was a witness to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, perhaps among the unnamed they, Luke talks about going out to the tomb early in the morning. Most certainly she was among those in the closed and locked room that evening. Jesus came through the wall, stood among them. And was she there to witness the ascension and Pentecost? Or did she just hear about it from other witnesses? Mary of Bethany, witness to to Christ. Mary of Bethany, who knew when God was present in her house, And she knew what to do about it. She knew what to do about it. What about us? Who know God to be present in this house? Amen. Peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.